Culture. 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 Equality, equity, and justice. Mm -hmm. Religion as culture. They should be at the table. Belonging. I would get passed over. Conflict. Conversation. Conflict is rooted in misunderstanding. Celebrate differences. Compromise. Cooperation. Culture. Mm -hmm. Culture and belonging. Welcome to the Culture and Belonging podcast from Troy University and the Office of Institutional Research, Planning, and Effectiveness. I'm Rich Leday. And I'm Wendy Broyles. Here at Troy University, we have a great diversity of backgrounds. We also have a great diversity of thought. I am particularly interested in conflict. What conflicts arise when cultures collide? But just as importantly, how do we compromise? And my interest is on the belonging side. In a diverse environment, how do we make sure everyone feels welcome? And how can we harness our differences to promote understanding and cooperation at Troy University and beyond? Our guest today is Dr. Dion Rosser-Mims. Dr. Rosser-Mims is the Vice Chancellor of Troy University's Phoenix City Campus. She has nearly 20 years of adult education experience, including work in collegiate teaching, as well as training and development. So it's fair to say, in the world of higher ed, she's seen it all. Dr. Roster Mims has authored four books, published numerous articles and book chapters, and delivered conference presentations at the regional, national, and international levels. She is the co-founder and former co-editor-in-chief of Dialogues and Social Justice and Adult Education Journal, a peer-reviewed open access journal. Dr. Roster Mims, thank you so much for joining us on our very first episode. Thank you for the opportunity to help jumpstart this conversation. Well, we had a conversation about who the first guest should be, and your name came up really quickly. Yeah. No pressure, you guys. No, 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 no. Complete compliment. No pressure meant at all. So I think that the first place to start is not from a professional standpoint, but who is Dion, right? You know, what makes Dion tick? And and all of that really is rooted in my upbringing, you know, where I've traveled, the opportunities to engage with other cultures, and, and really different people. And so I am, and I'm proud to say I'm a military brat. And even though I'm of age, I still carry that label with me and, and with honor. So yeah, we, we traveled even as a, I can remember um, as a young kid having lived in the Philippines, we lived in, in Japan, we traveled to Korea on several occasions when we were stationed in Japan. And, and so those experiences as a young child living and interacting with individuals who didn't look like me and really learning about a, a culture that really I had no, no knowledge of at the time. And so having those experiences, they, they shaped who I am and how I deal with people, how I deal with conflict mm-hmm. and, and, and how I engage with a team, for example, yeah. now at Troy. My time at Troy, oh, wonderful. <laughs> geographically you know how are we how, how are we made up as an institution that's what fascinated me about Troy and why I chose to work for Troy University so your sure. scholarship has contributed to 
you know, helping people understand, you know, certain aspects of culture. Mm-hmm. And from my vantage point, my research is personal. Um, and I share this point with, you know, our doctoral students that when you select, um, you know, topics to research, there generally is a personal aspect to it, right? So when you look at the body of my work, a lot of it is around women and leadership. No coincidence, <laughs> I'm a woman. Um, you also will find a collection of, of writings around African-American women. Again, no surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and you will also find a collection of writing around adult learners, right? Uh, reentry, African-American males. And so a, a lot of my work is, is focused on the underserved populations, understanding their experiences, and then also trying to understand what we can do from a higher education standpoint beyond higher ed from an economic development, community development, and leadership development standpoint. What can we do to support these particular areas or individuals of our com- within our communities to support them? And so I think we have a responsibility as leaders to understand other individuals or other groups perspectives right Mm -hmm. what are their experiences oftentimes conflict is rooted in misunderstanding Mm -hmm. lack of information and 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 an unwillingness to acknowledge that hey you don't have all the information (laughs) and it just may very well be that that your position may be a little off because you're lacking (laughs) information Right. right? right So how, how do we help people to recognize that it's okay to be uh, wrong, <laughs> right? Or it, it's okay to say, you know what, I perhaps I misunderstood what was uh, said or perhaps I didn't have enough information that it, it's okay to, to acknowledge that. Then let's move forward. Sounds quite humbling to consider that we may not have all the answers. And that someone else's experiences may actually matter. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely, yeah. If only we could teach those things. Wow. I think if, we have to. If we, only... we, we don't, we have to, at, at, yeah. you know, in higher ed. And I, I've, I'm preaching, I've been preaching this even more, to your point, <laughs> to our, our students who leave the institution, and particularly those who I have the privilege of working with, I, I, they hear from me, hey, you need to be a critical consumer of the information that you take in. Critically analyze the information that you are using to make decisions. And also to assess where are you collecting your information or your data mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to form your opinion. A lot of folks nowadays are getting their information, gathering their information, and basing their opinions from so off of social media where you get your information from matters mm-hmm. and what you do with it matters and what you do with mm-hmm. it matters yeah. yeah a lot of people think they're experts now based upon youtube videos and that's just not um, and it requires effort i mean if you have to fact check something mm-hmm. that you just read mm-hmm. it requires some extra effort to to, to research it right yeah and, and our students, and, uh, particularly at Troy, come from a variety of different mm-hmm, cultural backgrounds. Mm-hmm. We've got race, we've got gender, but we've also got age. Age, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and these these things, you know, it's 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 kind. Of, I'm I'm an older person myself, and it's hard for me to accept that I don't know everything. 
I'd like to think I'm pretty smart. <laughs> I've got a lot of answers, but I don't have them all. So, but you I, know, that's the fun part. You know, the, the fact that we don't know it all and, and that um, we can learn from someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, along my journey, I, I, gosh, I, can, I, probably, I can't even think of a recent time where I, you know, I was in a situation where I felt like, okay, this person is um, belittling me because I don't think I mm-hmm. have all the information or, or the expectation is that Dion should should know it all. I, e- either the situation was occurring and I just was not cognizant of it because I didn't care, right? No, it's humbling, yes, in one respect, but I, I see it as an opportunity, a possibility to learn from, from someone else. And then to help me to grow, I think it's fun. Yeah. So have we defined culture in the conversation we're having? I don't think think that we have. I don't even think we've gotten (laughs) Dr. Mim's definition of culture. Ah, It's a fairly broad definition. It is broad. So I've given it a little bit of thought. And for me, culture, it's, it's all about experience. Your, your, obviously your background uh, and your worldview, but, but really rooted in um, your, your values, your, your um, mores, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you believe in mm-hmm. your experiences? And does your definition of culture change? I mean, oh, depending on the circumstance, because, um, you know, we've got, you know, culture can be this big, big thing. Right. You know, but culture yeah. can also be this kind of a micro phenomenon, you know, like what happens in the office between coworkers, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, yeah. there's there's culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we might talk about workplace culture. We yeah. might talk yeah. about, you know, the uh, one thing I study in my work is religion. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we could start talking about culture and you could talk about religious culture, but you can also kind of break that down. I mean, there's. Muslim culture, mm-hmm. there's Christian culture, mm-hmm. there's, there's agnostic and atheist culture as well, if, if, you, if you want to have a conversation about religion as culture. But you can even break that down even further and talk about culture within a specific With, congregation, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so, then, if culture is everything, is it really anything? <laughs> Ooh, good question. Wow. <laughs> So I, I would, I'm going to answer yes. I think it is something. And the good thing is we should not have to, to or feel that we should, should define it, right? I think it really rests uh, with the individual and, and allowing him or her to articulate what they believe, what their perspective might be around this notion of culture. So I've heard you speak about the differences between equality, equity, and justice. Mm -hmm. And you give a really great illustration of of these different individuals standing at a fence line trying to watch a a sports event, right? And so uh, there are varying heights. Mm-hmm. Whether anything else is the, is the same or different about them is really not important for the, the illustration, right? So if we have equity, then everyone is, is given the same. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I could let you oh, you're run doing, with yeah, this. Oh, you're keep, keep going. Okay, so, so if we have <laughs> equality, they've all got the same mm-hmm. advantages. Yeah. So if, if everyone is standing on a milk crate of the same height, 
then it doesn't change the fact that there are different heights. Maybe it it helps one more person see over the fence than could previously, but it's not allowing everyone to see, right? Mm -hmm. And then with equity, you talk about how everyone gets the support they need. So now we're going to rearrange the milk crate so that the shorter person can now also see over the fence to this Mm -hmm. sporting event. But then justice is different. Right. Can you tell us how justice is different in your illustration? Yeah. Yeah. So so justice is it's about circumstances where individuals have been wronged. Right. Who who are not in a position, perhaps are not in a position to defend themselves from an economic standpoint. And there may be systems in place that that are unfairly treating those individuals or circumstances, if that makes sense. So justice is ensuring that the system and the policies are applied across the board equally and equitably. And unfortunately, there are plenty of examples throughout the course of our history as a global world where that's not the case, where policies, programs, et cetera, have not been applied equitably, you know, and fairly. Right. And so this this concept of justice, where we maybe change, we remove or change the barriers so that Mm -hmm. things are more accessible. I'm thinking in my mind that this is really where belonging comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, how do you talk about justice differently or the same, whether you're talking to your family versus in a professional environment. Is that the same conversation? Hmm. Or are there nuances that come into the conversation and maybe we're not ready to have that conversation? You you know, honestly, I don't know that that I've had explicit conversations about justice. I think if you watch how I maneuver and I operate and, and how I live, you'll see that I live my life from a standpoint of wanting to ensure that I'm fair, that I treat people fairly, that regardless of who you are. So, so what I'm saying is I try to live what I believe in, in terms of this notion of justice. And so, and I have to do that. And for, for one other reason is because my daughter, I want her to understand and to see the world that this world is, is can be tough, but you can still thrive, you can still do good, be good, and serve and support individuals who perhaps may not have been given that leg up, right? Right. Who needed a little extra push to assist them in, in reaching whatever level of success they, they are pursuing. And then if I could take a moment of personal privilege, your daughter is a high school junior. Yes, yes. So you're also looking at colleges or what's after high school. Yeah, yeah. So then these ideas of equality and equity, obviously they're important. Oh, they are, yeah. But oh my goodness, at the same time, like we need our (laughs) children to have the best. Yeah. And we need our children to have these opportunities and how do we pursue the best and and push for 
excellence, like your upbringing really encouraged, right? How do we do that while still balancing this idea of yes, but everyone else needs these opportunities as well? Much of my journey uh, as a professional has really focused on, again, the underserved population. That that has just been something that uh, the good Lord planted in my heart when I was young right. and where I knew early on that, that I ha- had a responsibility and an affinity <laughs> for working with individuals who oftentimes are either overlooked or misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Even in my role right now, I find that I am gravitating towards projects working with you know low income folks in our within our community and and trying to establish leadership uh, you know grassroots leadership program to to help inspire them to see themselves as leaders and they are yes right right and that they they should be at the table when decisions are being made that impact their family themselves and their families so so I have an obligation. Right. And so, again, over the course of my career, and I will continue to do so, is to, to be that that advocate, if you will, the, the voice at the table. And, and it's kind of ironic that in my role, again, as campus vice chancellor, some might say, well, do you think that that's work you ought to be doing? Absolutely. <laughs> that's how I teach my daughter about justice, about support. And yes, she is privileged. But that privilege is not a right. It's a gift. This is also some lived experience for her. It's a different type. You know, yeah. I mean, she gets to yeah. observe mm-hmm. yes. you know, her mother. Yeah. It's a highly visible position that yeah. you're in. Yes. And the way that you treat others in that position. Yeah, I'm constantly thinking mm-hmm. when I'm in a room, I'm thinking, okay, who's missing, right? That's good. And, oh, and, and there good. may be instances where in some cases I, I, I'm not in a position to change it. Mm. Right. However when I am in a a different situation, when I can change it, I am going to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, constantly surveying who's missing. And and if, if the room is not diverse in diverse diversity of thought, right, diversity of experience, et cetera, then, then we got to go back to the drawing board. And not just when you're in the planning stages, who's who's in the room. Also, when you're talking about implementation, when Mm -hmm. you are implementing the policies, you know, who's, who needed to be in that room. That's not in that room. That's, that's powerful stuff. Yeah. We've talked about a lot of things, right? So, so what's something, if, if no one heard anything else in this conversation today, what is the one thing that you want to make sure people hear from you from this conversation today? Sure. So we use the term belonging, and I don't think we define that. And what does it really mean in, in the context of diversity, equity, and inclusion? And the best way to to understand belonging and it's through this this phrase Um, when you've been asked to join let's say a party or a dance and you've or or you've been asked to sit at a table Mm -hmm. the next question is were you given an opportunity or did you feel that you had an opportunity to express your voice Another way of looking at it, and I may get this wrong, um, it's the, this dancing analogy. If, if you've been invited to a dance, were you asked to, to actually join the dance? Right. Okay. And so I think oftentimes when we, we think about diversity, we, we think about that term from a superficial standpoint. We may assemble what we believe to, to be a diverse group, 
but I think we have to ask ourselves, does everyone, is everyone who might be around the table, how comfortable are they in expressing their voice mm. and showing up as themselves? And I think a lot of organizations struggle with that. And there's work that has to be done to get people comfortable in, in showing up and, and expressing and, and contributing. It doesn't solely rest on the institution's shoulders. There's some work that has to be done at the individual level. And so what, what I try to do and when I lead meetings is I do not close the meeting without giving everyone an opportunity giving them some airtime because you've got folks who are going to take up a lot of airtime, right? Yes. In meetings. <laughs> but there, there's an easy way to, to uh, not to put anybody on the spot. And so when, when you have folks who may feel um, that they're, mm, maybe I, I shouldn't be at the table or I don't belong, we have a responsibility to be cognizant of that when we're facilitating these meetings that have diverse um, folks from thoughts, experience, et cetera. We have to be aware and, and sometimes, I know earlier in my career, I would get passed over when I had a great idea and, and the, the person who was facilitating the meeting never circled back, mm. say, hey, Dion, what do you think, right? Does not happen as often nowadays because I'm, I'm much more comfortable in my skin, right. <laughs> so to speak, and showing up. In fact, it doesn't happen much at all. But I think folks who are listening to this as an individual, we have a responsibility to find a way to express our thoughts and to contribute, even if the individual who's facilitating the meeting does not create that space for you. Mm. So really, it's, it's a two-way street. Yeah, and I would, I would also encourage everyone else in these meetings that we're talking about to make sure everybody else has space to do that. Because yeah, sometimes yeah, the person yes, facilitating the meeting yes. won't or can't. Or doesn't yeah. know. Yeah. Or That's hasn't listened to this podcast and got the piece of practical advice, you know, to let everybody speak up. So I think it's up to the individual also. And, you know, thinking about culture in the workplace, mm -hmm. it's not, this isn't just on the institution. This isn't just on the organization. This is on individuals who work in mm -hmm. that organization. Mm -hmm. You have policies and procedures, but you also have a general way that you should treat each other. Right. We each have a responsibility to encourage belonging, both for ourselves and for the people that we work with, work around, deal with, in whatever capacity. I applaud the two of you for you know, really stepping out there and doing this. And uh, however I can continue to support you, I will. Our guest for this episode of Culture and Belonging has been Vice Chancellor of Troy University's Phoenix City Campus, Dr. Dion Rosser-Mims. We hope that you'll subscribe to the Culture and Belonging podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And get involved by tweeting us at belongingpod and tell us about a time someone went out of their way to make you feel welcome in a new environment. We'll read the most outstanding answer in our next episode. Culture and Belonging is produced by Troy University in the studios of Troy Public Radio by Austin Toy and Joey Hudson with the help of Kyle Gassett. So until next time, I'm Rich Lede. And I'm Wendy Broyles, and this is Culture and Belonging. Culture and Belonging.